won the battle but lost the war. How about this one? You can't see the forest for the trees. We always have a mixed bag when it comes to living. Living is very rarely, if ever, a either completely white or completely black situation, a completely positive, completely negative situation. It's usually a mixed bag, and that means mixed blessings. Well, today we're going to be looking at the life of Joseph and Jacob and how everything that they did was a bag of mixed blessings and how that impacts our life. And we'll be studying that today on the audio study guide of Northwood Baptist Church. My name is Trey Rhodes, and I'm the Connections Pastor here at Northwood Baptist, and it's great to have you along for the ride. We appreciate you coming and listening uh, to us and with us and participating. And as always, I do welcome you, whether you're a Life Connection Group leader, a co-leader, or maybe even a care group leader, or someone else that somebody's recommended this podcast to you or study guide to you, you're welcome to use it. And by the way, if you want the materials, just let me know. And I can put you on an email list that we will get you the materials every single week. So that's what we do, and that's what we like to do to help the Word of God go out, not just here at Northwood Baptist Church, but around our world as well. And if you're listening from somewhere else besides Northwood Baptist Church, I want you to know you are welcome here. We are in Genesis chapter 48 to 49, and we're going to be talking about mixed blessings today. So uh, you go ahead and get your Bibles out and open it up and start to study with me. Maybe you want to get the discussion guide or the sermon or whatever and uh, go through this. That would be a wonderful thing to help you uh, be able to teach this later on, whether you're teaching on Sunday morning or maybe having a Bible study later on in the week. Uh, This can help you. And also, I will remind you that Pastor Tommy Metter, our lead pastor here, preaches the sermon that we get the material from, where we have the discussion guides and other things that will help you preach and excuse me teach through that message and it's not just a rehash of the message it is a way that we can begin to really dive deeper into the meanings and other things that the sermon uh, is about well life is a bag of mixed blessings isn't it hard times come and the blessing of god comes and many times they come at the same time and that's what we have when we look at the book of genesis blessings even through the hard times so as we study the, the, the message today, we're going to give a brief synopsis here. Uh, just remember that. So let's, let's use that. The Garden of Eden. It's a place of blessing, of the presence of God, unhindered by sin. And then sin and death enter the world, but God's promises that one uh, will come from the lineage of Eve that will crush the head of the serpent is given there, even in the midst of sin and death. Abraham, called by God, he's called to be a blessing to the world, a great nation. And Jacob becomes the namesake for that great nation. And that same Jacob desperately wants blessing. And he fought for it. Matter of fact, the section about Jacob we called the fighter because Jacob was such a fighter. We read this in Genesis 47, 9. Jacob blessed, but at the end of life. He said these words. Life has been hard. So on his deathbed, Jacob Jacob is the one giving the blessing to his 12 sons, but it is mixed blessings over and over again. Now, salvation is going to come through this family, but what a messed up family to bring salvation to the world to, through. So in Genesis 48 to 49, Jacob prophesies about the futures of his sons and the, uh, the, uh, from his deathbed that are very helpful to us 
So how do we respond to the mixed blessings of life? Because they are, that's how we live. That is what life is. How do we persevere through the challenges of life while keeping our eyes that God is blessing us even through the hard times? Well, let's look at three truths in this world that we live in of mixed blessings. Number one is this. You can't control your circumstances, but you can pass on your faith in the God who controls all circumstances. Good line there. You can't control your circumstances, but you can pass on your faith in the God who controls all circumstances. So here Jacob, he's on his deathbed. He deceived Isaac for his blessing over Esau, and now Jacob is the one giving out a blessing. So here it's kind of come full circle, hasn't it, where the blessing that he wanted, now he is giving. So Jacob wants his sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, to be blessed by Jacob. Excuse me, Joseph does. Two sons of Joseph, and these are by an Egyptian wife. For all practical purposes, these guys were Egyptian. They could have been had a different life than Joseph had growing up. They could have ac- had access to the best the world had to offer. But Joseph didn't want his sons to be identified with Egypt. He wanted them to be identified with Jacob. Shepherds that were detestable to the Egyptians. Joseph's sons would go from prestigious to detestable. And by the way, it was not that different for the man who was writing this. His name was Moses. He did not want to consider that he should live in the palace while his people were suffering. He didn't think that was a good thing, and he moved out. So Joseph's sons would go from, as we said, prestigious to detestable. Their godly heritage was far more important to Joseph than their privilege in Egypt. And Jacob does far more than bless them. What he does is he adopts them. In verse 5, we have a picture of the gospel. It says, your two sons were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt. They are now mine. That means they're mine. They belong to my household. They're my sons. Ephraim and Manasseh belong to me, just as Reuben and Simeon do. So here's what's going to go on. Right hand should be to the oldest. That's the way it should work. Manasseh, Joseph thought that was a mistake. Here, Jacob's old and blind. Joseph moved the hands, but the younger, he would be greater than the older as he's given this blessing. Ah, sounds familiar, doesn't it, where the oldest doesn't get the, the blessing. Esau didn't get the blessing either. So we have the two half-tribes, we have powerful descendants of Jacob. And Jacob prophesies that they would be celebrated. So Joseph is the victim of, in his life, was a victim of horrible circumstances. Uh, following God had been hard, but hard circumstances never stopped him from passing on his faith to his family. So regardless of your circumstances, you can always give your children the best life. What do I mean by that? You know, we got to choose to pass on the best life rather than try to give people a better life. You know, you, and we've all said that, oh, you have no idea how blessed you are, you know, those kind of things. And think all the things they have. They have iPads and computers, and they have all these you know, HDTV and um, video game systems and all these things. You go back, I had, I had to ride my bike to ball practice. Parents never drove me back and forth. Well, I shouldn't say never, but rarely. For many of us, our goal has been to give our kids a better life than what we had. But I want to remind you, a life without Christ is not a blessed life. A blessed life is knowing the gospel, and that's what we want our children to do. A blessed life is seeing their mom and dad living out their faith. You see, you can't give your kids everything. That's the better life. You can't do that. But you can give them the best life, and that comes from giving them the best thing, and that's the gospel found in Jesus Christ. So you must choose to pass on the best life rather than a better life. Second, you must choose God's way with your family rather than your way. Now, Jacob said to Joseph, 
take your hands off. Don't get in the way of what God wants to do in your family. Every time you try to give your kids a better life rather than the best life, you are in the way of what God wants. Hands off means God's desire for your child is far more important than your desire for your child. What? Yes, true. God's plan is more important than grades, more important than travel ball, more important, you name it, education, job, financial resources, house, community, neighborhood. So what's your child missing in his or her spiritual development? Because you as a parent are desiring to give them a better life and not the best life. All right. So you can't control your circumstances, but you can pass on your faith in the God who controls all circumstances. So we pass that faith on, and that is the best life. Number two, you can't undo your sinful choices from yesterday, but you can live by faith today. Jacob's last words to his sons, I'll tell you what will happen to you, he says in Genesis 49.1, and he's speaking to all his sons. So we, let's focus on the four. They're mentioned more than the others in the book of Genesis. To Reuben, he says, you're my firstborn. Jacob's already given the birthright to Joseph and his sons. He said, you're powerful, but you did me wrong. You got in my bed. He slept with one of the concubines, which equals wife of Jacob. Rachel's servant, Jacob's wife, and it was sinful for Reuben to sleep with a woman that wasn't his wife. So that's it. Done. Finished. Complete. No blessing for Reuben. And by the way, you don't read much about the tribe of Reuben. No one of significance ever comes from his tribe. No king, no prophet, no judge. Then you jump to Simeon and Levi. Don't get any encouragement from their dad either. Instead, Jacob reminds them of their evil ways. He says this, may I never enter their council or join their assembly. What Simeon and Levi did in Shechem was atrocious. Their sister was raped, which was atrocious in and of itself. But their, their reaction to that was evil beyond words when they went and slaughtered everyone in the town over it. So this is what the, he says about Simeon and Levi. I will disperse them. So after the conquest of the promised land, Simeon, who is the smallest and weakest tribe of all, is forced now to share land with Judah. The tribe of Levi wasn't even allowed to have land at all. Is that not how God works? He's a just God. And then you have Judah. The man who had the idea of selling Joseph into slavery and then slept with his daughter-in-law, daughter if you remember, he thought he was, she was a Canaanite prostitute in one of the most horrific stories in the Bible in Genesis 38. And he says these words, and this is where the moment in time, this is in a moment in time where something changes in him drastically. You see that dramatic change when he says, she is more in the right than I. And now we come to this point, and Judah is willing to sacrifice his life for his brother Benjamin. And he looks like the one who will ultimately come from his lineage, Jesus. First three sons, no blessing at all. But Judah is a young lion. Judah, the scepter will not depart from Judah. And in verse 11, it says interesting words. Such an abundance of wine that donkeys can drink it. No one would even consider giving wine to a donkey. That was, that is like, uh, it was. It not wasn't like, they used it for money. I mean, you know, you give wine to somebody to get uh, things that you needed. And even, it goes on to say, you can even wash your clothes in it. Who would do that? But that's how abundant it would be. A royal offspring that will bring abundance like we have never seen. And that's where Genesis 3.15 comes in. The messianic line would come through Judah. This man 
transformed by the grace of God, who will be a direct ancestor to the one who will transform us all through his death and resurrection. So Genesis starts with a promise, and it ends with God continuing to work out his promise through Jacob and now Judah. So here's Judah, a prime example of what God can do in your life. He transforms you. He changes you by his grace, not because of what you've done, but because who he is, he changes you. So here's what happens. In his past life, we have a familiar cycle. He was hurt by his father, so he hurt Joseph. Isaac, excuse me, um, Jacob is hurt, so he hurts. He's hurt by his son who didn't honor his duty to his brother, so now Judah hurts uh, Tamar. Judah, hurt and guilty. Today, allow God to break the cycle of hurt and guilt. The more you carry your hurt and guilt, the more you're going to cause hurt and guilt. You, you, you literally have to say enough. Victim of your circumstances versus allowing God to redeem your circumstances. So today, what you need to do is break that cycle and quit being haunted by your past. Learn and move on in faith. I can never because of what I did. Or I've heard many times this said, oh, it's too late for me. You might have people in your life connection group that are saying that today, this morning. It's too late for me. I've gone too far. I've done too much. What about this? God can use my past hurt to be a present blessing. Paul said it this way. Paul, who was a murderer himself, forgetting what lies behind and pressing on to the goal. So what do we do? We choose. Are you going to let the memories of your past affect your present choices? Or are you going to let the anticipation of your future affect your present choices? So we choose. And you'll start having one right decision after the next. What God has planned for you after he's forgiven you is absolutely glorious. All right, number three. You've made mistakes, but God can bring blessing even out of your biggest mistakes. In Jacob's word to his other sons, Zebulun, you're going to have prosperity from the sea. Issachar, you're going to have strong, but descendants would eventually force labor. Uh, Dan, uh, tribe of Samson, by the way, Dan's descendants would excel in battle. And the Gad, Asher, Naphtali, hope for Benjamin, the tribe of King Saul, by the way. And by the way, Paul, the Apostle Paul, known as Saul, he traced his lineage back to the Benjamites. So Jacob has the most favorable things to say to Joseph. Distinct from all of Jacob's sons, you understand why. Joseph was fruitful. His, his bow remained steady when life was challenging. He was steady because he was guided by the shepherd, the rock of Israel. We know him as Jesus Christ, but God himself. So here's the mixed blessings. The nation of Israel would grow and the words Jacob spoke would come true. But this great nation had a great fall and they divided into two different kingdoms. The north was eventually conquered by Assyria. And then 150 years later, the south was conquered by the tribe. The south, which is the tribe of Judah, was brought into exile by Babylon. Why? Because sin continued to run rampant among the covenant people of God. Consequence of sin, but God would bring blessing out of a sinful people. He'd bring a Messiah from Judah. But Levi's descendants would enact a picture of what the Messiah would do. So we have Judah who, out of his lineage, comes the Messiah. But now we have Levi saying, this is what Messiah will do for us. 
Now, they had a harsh punishment. Remember, no land. You don't get any land because of the way you acted. Consequences are future generations would live with, but then they would be able to bring God's blessings to everywhere they lived. The tribe of priests, that's who they were. They mediated for people. They touched the holy things of God. It says this in Deuteronomy 10.9, if you want to turn there. Levi does not have a portion or inheritance from his brothers. The Lord is his inheritance. Lasting generational consequences of Levi's is people never have land, but they have God. That's a blessing. So here's the bottom line. What do we do? Here it is. Everyone, including you, including your Life Connection group, they need to accept the consequences of their sin. Instead of trying to get out of it, trying to avoid the consequences, greed, whatever it is that you're going through, anger, addiction, those bottom rock consequences will get your attention to turn your heart back to God. And then embrace a new opportunity. When you experience lasting consequences, you say life will never be the same. That's true because sin destroys. You say, I'm done. That's not true. God's never done with you. You always have a new opportunity. Where you are, you point people. Wherever it is, you point people through the, to the Redeemer. Regardless of the consequence, God is never done with you. So today in your Life Connection group, you tell your people they've got a new opportunity. They can repent, learn, bless, learn to live the right way, pick themselves up, stop with the pity party, and get back to what to you know what God has for you. Some of people in your Life Connection group right now are experiencing these lasting consequences of sinful choices. Maybe even of your parents that is affecting you. And you can't change that. You think it's not fair. You, they were, those weren't your choices, but you're responsible for your choices. You can move on in faith. You can embrace the opportunity to be a blessing. You can walk with Jesus. He's not done with you. Your circumstances cannot and should not and do not define you. So the whole nation would fall. But God never gave up on his people. People. He brought his greatest blessing through this fallen, broken people through King Jesus. Because Jesus is the Lion of Judah who did what his people never could. He lived faithfully before God. He died and rose again to give us life abundant and eternal. And you need to op give that opportunity to your Life Connection group this week. And they can trust him as Savior and Lord of their life today. All righty, let's jump into the questions. Um, the best, my favorite question here is, Number four, how does Joseph's story help us understand that life is full of mixed blessings? Have you seen God bring blessing out of a really difficult circumstance in your life? You might even want to flip those two, because uh, if you do the second part of that, the first part of that second and vice versa, then you'll be able to move right into what we're going to talk about. All right, Genesis 48, let's read verses 3 through 7. Uh, beginning here, Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me and said to me, I will make you fruitful and numerous and I will make many nations come from you. I will give you this land as a permanent possession to your future descendants and your two sons born to you in the land of Egypt before I came in Egypt are now mine, came to you in Egypt. Ephraim and Manasseh belong to me just as Reuben and Simeon do. Children born to you after them will be yours and will be recorded in the names of their brothers. When I was returning to Padan, to my, to my sorrow, Rachel died along the way, some distance from Ephrath in the land of Canaan. I buried her there along the way to Ephrath. And that is what we call today modern Bethlehem. All right, so why is it significant that Jacob adopted Ephraim and Manasseh into his family and considered them his own sons? Well, he wanted them to come out of Egypt. Remember we talked about that? He wanted them to break away from that. He wanted them to understand their need to, to be a follower of Christ. It was more important that they have uh, 
of Christ, of, of the Messiah, uh, who would one day come. Let me uh, rephrase that. But anyway, uh, the whole point was that they were going to be his sons, and they would get the blessing of his sons, and they did. And do you think there's anything significant about Jacob naming Reuben and Simeon in these verses and not some of his other sons? Yes, of course. Reuben and, Reuben and Simeon uh, were probably, uh, they, well, Reuben, of course, what he did. It, it specifically says, before I came to you in Egypt, or now my, it says, um, Ephraim and Manasseh belong to me just as Reuben and Simeon do. And the idea was that Reuben, because he had slept, he's about to take the blessing away and say that, Reuben, you get nothing. You get nothing at all. Simeon is going to be weak because of what he did. He's never going to have land and all those things. Very difficult situation. So they're, they're going to be left out of the lineage, by the way. That's what's going to happen to them. Um, do you think there's any signif anything significant about Jacob naming Reuben and Simeon? Uh, Simeon. All right. Number two, read Genesis 48. Let's read 13 to 22. We might or might not read all those verses. It says, Joseph took them both with his right hand, Ephraim toward Israel's left, with his left hand, Manasseh toward Israel's right, brought them to Israel. But Israel stretched out his right hand, put it on the head of Ephraim. The younger, and crossing his hands, he put his left hand on Manasseh's head, although Manasseh was the firstborn. All right, so we have this story of where Jacob purposely switches hands. The right hand was supposed to be the one who got the blessing, and so he switched so that the right one uh, that, that God wanted would get the, get the, uh, the, the blessing, the birthright. So we have uh, Jacob switching his hand. So why did Jacob give Ephraim the greater blessing? You remember what happened to Jacob? Okay, he was the youngest. And just like it switched up on him, he's now about to switch it up again. He's kind of following what his dad had happened to him on a positive level. He now does the same thing and gives Ephraim the greater blessing. Now, how did Joseph respond? He, what he did is he wanted to tell him, you know, you did not do like you're supposed to. You should have blessed him. He's the oldest. Well, that's exactly what he did, and he knew he should have done. Um, that is what he was supposed to do from the beginning. Um, so he blesses Ephraim as he should have. And he gives Manasseh a blessing, but not in the same way. Um, that's Manasseh should have been the one that got the, got the blessing, but he didn't. And surely he's very similar to what Jacob went through. He thought Jacob was old and blind and moved the hands. Um, but the younger would definitely be the greater than the older. Now, both these two half-tribes would be powerful descendants of Jacob, and Jacob's prophecies uh, that they would be celebrated. So that, that wasn't the issue. Um, but the point was not to give them the best life, the better life. It was the point was to give them a better life. Uh, excuse, let me get it right. The point was not to give them a better life. It was to give them the best life. So how did Joseph respond? What's significant about these verses? Talked about that. Now think about the words that Jacob speaks over his sons, and we're going to look down to Genesis chapter 49 as we do that. And he says, come together and listen, sons of Jacob. Listen to your father Israel. Reuben, you're my firstborn, the strength. And he goes through this whole thing. Um, my first fruits of my virility, excelling in prominence, excelling in power, terrible in his water. You will not excel because you got into your father's bed and you defiled it. He got into my bed. And then he goes into Simeon and Levi, and then he goes into Judah. And then the rest of the brothers as well. Um, he speaks over them, 
for the simple reason that he decided that he was going to have some input by God speaking through him to watch over and care for his children. Uh, to, for God to do what needed to be done in each one of his children. So we have Reuben, we have Simeon, Levi, and we have Judah. And every one of them would, these, these blessings, these promises that he gives them, would all come true exactly as Jacob said. That is what he promised. Um, Jacob had been done wrong, and what he wanted to do is make it right as he could for every one of these guys. Very significant chapter. It, it kind of forms the rest of what Israel goes through and how the impact that that has in their lives. So why would this chapter have been so significant for the ancient Israelites? Well, remember, they're all marching as tribes. They're in the desert, and they need to know that God has a plan for every single one of them. Every one of them has a, something going on in their lives, and, and they need to be do their part and be a part of, of what God wanted them to do, every single one of them. And you get into some of the other guys, Zebulun and Issachar and Dan and, and Gad, Asher, Naphtali, all the rest of the guys, all of them the same way, right? All right, Genesis 49, verses 3 through 4. Reuben, you're my firstborn. We read this. My strength, the first fruits of my virility. Excelling in prominence, excelling in power, turbulent as water. You will not excel because you got into your father's bed and you defiled it. He got into my bed. He got into my bed. Now, the question is, what's so significant about the words that Jacob speaks over Reuben? He has never, ever forgotten the sin of what Reuben did to Jacob. Um, when, when Reuben got into the bed of his father, that only belonged to his father, because it, it was him and his wife's bed, that was, that was one of the worst things that he could have ever done. And Reuben loses every single blessing, period. All right, Genesis 49, verses 5 through 7. Let's read those real quick. Simeon and Levi are brothers. Their knives are vicious weapons. May I never enter their council. May I never join their assembly. For in their anger they kill men, and on a whim they hamstrung oxen. Their anger is cursed, for it is strong, and their fury it is cruel. I will disperse them throughout Jacob and scatter them throughout Israel. So here we have Simeon and Levi. Remember what they had done? They had gone to Shechem and they would murdered everybody because their sister Dinah had been raped by one of the leaders of Shechem. And here they are. They are too are going to be not given any land. Simeon was given no land, and then Levi was never to have any land at all. Matter of fact, they would never even have that opportunity. The Levites would never have that. All right, Genesis 49, 8 through 12. Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on their necks, on the necks of your enemies. Um, your father's sons will bow down to you. For Judah is a young lion, my son. You return from the kill. He crouches. He allows, lies down like a lion or a lioness. Who dares to rouse him? The scepter will not depart from Judah or the staff from between his feet until he who, whose right it is comes and the obedience of the peoples belongs to him. He ties his donkey to a vine and the colt of his donkey to the choice vine. He washes his clothes in wine and his robes in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine and his teeth are whiter than milk. Well, there's a couple things you see. What do you see in these verses? You see the promise that God gives to Judah. 
And uh, the idea is this is a continuation of Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, where the Messiah will come from him. It says that he is going to be a warrior. Uh, it says the scepter will not depart from him. And we know that the king would come out of Judah through David and then eventually to the Messiah, Jesus. Um, and he would, he would rule and reign, and the people would be obedient to him. It would be verse 11, talks about great abundance that would happen. There would be so much wine that the donkeys would be tied to the vine because they're going to be able to drink the wine too. He washes, they would wash, something that's supposed to be washed in water, they wash their clothes in wine. That's how abundant it was. Over and over again, it talks about abundance. These are hopeful words that someday something greater is coming. Now, why does Jacob give such wonderful prophetic words to Judah considering the things that Judah had done in his past? And it's one word, grace. Jacob, I mean, Joshua repented. Joshua knew what he had done was wrong and said the other person was right. His life changed at that moment. And God was able to use him. How does this chapter point us to the gospel of Jesus? Isn't it obvious? The Judah's own descendant lived a perfect life that he did not, um, that he should have done. So Jesus lived the life that we couldn't live, and he didn't have to repent because he was perfect in every way. And he gave his life for us that we might have eternal life. Judah was willing to do it, but Jesus actually did do it. Okay, let's apply the truth. What does Genesis 48 to 49 have to do with us? So how can it be helpful? We, we talked about a bunch of things that we can do. Uh, you just go back to the main points, those alone. You can't control your circumstances, but you can pass on your faith into the God who controls all circumstances. And that's about giving, passing on the best life to your children or passing on the best life to those that you love and care for. You're not ever going to be always able to pass on the better life, right? Because that's not the blessed life. The blessed life is the best life, not the better life. And so we do that. Uh, what about, you know, Going on, moving on. You can't undo your sinful choices, but you can live by faith today. So you start where you are and you move ahead, just like what happened with the lives of these, these sons. They moved ahead, Judah being the prime example of that. Were there consequences of what he did? Of course there were. But he repented and was got himself usable, and so then God used him. Um, then we get down to the third point about you've made mistakes, but God can bring blessing out of your biggest mistakes. And over and over again, we find that. And that's where the mixed blessings come in. Uh, the nation of Israel would grow, and Jacob would, as we talked about, uh, would, uh, would the things he spoke would come true. Um, then we have this great fall. But out of that, God was able to bring a Messiah from Judah. All right, so, and that is the promise of God, that that promise would come true. So what do these chapters teach us about the consequences of sin? The consequences are real, and they will happen. But it doesn't mean that we have to stop our lives and, and say we're done and we're over because of, we've gone through the consequences of sin. Consequences, God will bring blessing out of those consequences. Number three, what do these chapters teach us about the transforming power of God? That God can take a life that seemed hopeless and helpless and wrong in every way and if we will 
just simply accept these consequences and move on, we can embrace the new opportunity that God has for us because he has transformed us to live for him. The blessing of God is about giving, and that's number four. What do these chapters teach us about the blessing of God? It's about giving the best to those around you, not the better. Better meaning I'm going to have a better life than I did. That's fine. But the most important thing you can do is pass on the best, which is Jesus Christ. So what do you think God is calling you to do in response to Genesis 48 to 49? Maybe there is some change that needs to take place. Maybe there's just some, I'm accepting responsibility for what, what happened in my life. I'm, I'm going to move on. I'm not going to, I'm going to quit being stuck in guilt and all the things that are there. And then how do you pray? Well, we're going to pray over in just a minute. And then take a moment in this week's Life Connection Group, and this is a good one. You, you might want to kind of go backwards with this. In other words, you need to say we need to do this at the end, so you might want to spare some time. Take a moment in this week's Life Connection Group and share how someone has blessed you recently. What, what a blessing, a spiritual blessing that God brought into your life because someone cared, and God wanted to give you the better life. Excuse me, the best life. The best life. All right? Well, let me pray for you guys, and I will let you go. Lord, we do ask that you would use us to be those people that are living the best life and passing on that best life, getting rid of our guilt and the trash that was there the, the, and, and not letting the consequences of things that we have done in the past stop us, but to allow the transforming power of Jesus Christ to move us on. God, use us this week to touch a heart, touch a life. And thank you for those that have blessed me. What a blessing they are. And may you use me to continue to bless. And may you use everyone in our Life Connection groups to bless. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Y'all have a great Sunday. Look forward to seeing you. And uh, we appreciate all that you do. Keep up the good work. Contact your people. Let them know you care and help them to have the best life ever. Thank you.